Golso Podcast. We are back. I'm live from HQ uh, Maryland HQ today. First time we are recording this in the same time zone, I believe. And yeah. I, I won't say specifically which one that is, but I, I guess you can probably guess. Yeah, What's going yeah, on? Listen, it's the Eastern time zone. That's no secret. Everybody knows that. But uh, but I, I'm not in an HQ. I haven't left the rumor cave in years. So uh, I've been sequestered here for life. I imagine that it's sort of like a like in the Batman movies when he pulls in under the uh, under the rain into the cave and and it like lifts you up. You just have this this man cave where you go down and you watch the games and then you're back up in the rumor cave all all the information at your fingertips. Is that kind of what it looks like? Similar, similar. They yeah, people actually think people think I can see you while we're recording this. I, I can't. I'm just staring at at the rumor cave. Uh, it looks like one of those TV screens where I see all of his. It's a closed TV. circuit TV. It's a closed circuit TV. The rumor cave. I mean, people have called me the Bruce Wayne of hockey rumors. I have not said that, but some people have. <laughs> so, you know, let them say what they want. I guess. I'll listen, I'll take it as a compliment. Bruce Wayne is a very successful guy. So, uh, I, yeah. I, I guess that makes me the uh, the Alfred to your Bruce Wayne. Um, he, he took care of Alfred Wellbred. So, uh, <laughs> he sure did. We're gonna see each other one day at a uh, at a bar, wherever it may be. I'm just going to kind of nod and smile. You're going to nod and smile. We're going to not even acknowledge each other. You just know. You have that feel. You know exactly. You know who you're working with. So, NRD, I wanted to kick off this podcast with a little segment we like to call Choose Your Dumpster Fire. You ready to play? I'm all in. Would you like to go the New York Islanders, the Vancouver Canucks, or the Omaha Lancers? Choose your dumpster fire threw that wild card in there on me at the end. I mean, not that I didn't see it coming, but it's a little bit of a wild card. I mean, it's a little bit of an apple to an orange comparison because the NHL, USHL kind of comparison there. But I'm still going to go with the New York Islanders because, you know, they they haven't been good at all this season. They have started the first year, uh, first month and a half on the road. We've said all along that they're going to get an incomplete grade on the season until they return to, to the stable at UBS Arena. They opened that up this past weekend. Fantastic arena, by the way. Going to make a pilgrimage there at some point this season. So not going to not gonna do any signings or anything like that. Not going to have a meet and greet, a, a fan tweet up, meet up, or whatever the fuck they call it now it is. But, uh, but NRD will be in UBS Arena at some point. But um, no, they, they did not play well in their first two games at UBS. They got, you know, embarrassed by Calgary on, on opening night. And I say embarrassed, you know, with, with a handicap involved. The Islanders were missing seven or eight guys for COVID protocol when that happened. But... Nonetheless, you never want to lose on home turf, especially with that passionate fan base, especially opening up a new barn and, and being on the road for as long as they were. And then John Tavares comes to town, and they get shut out by by Justin Wall, I believe it was, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So not a great start for the uh, for the home stretch for the New York Islanders. Today, we learned that Brock Nelson's out two to four weeks with a lower body injury. Zidane Ocharo, who hasn't been great, but he's been there, now is on COVID protocol. Rest of the players that were on COVID protocol tested negative, so that's the start of a chain of things that could happen to lead to their them joining the lineup again. But nonetheless, I mean, they're in bad shape. And, and you know, they didn't have players walk out on them like the Omaha Lancers, but uh, they more or less are not there either with the COVID protocols and the injuries. And, you know, they got to turn this thing around quick, especially now that they're going to be playing in front of their home crowd. And the last time I checked, the, the Lawn Guyland crowd uh, is not very patient and very tolerant of poor performance. Yeah, you know, it's it's like it makes me wonder what is the cutoff for a an Ottawa Senators situation to happen, right? Like, how many guys have to be out in order to postpone a game or two games or three games, right? 
because at, at some point the the what do you want to call it the uh, what's the word I'm looking for the integrity of the game is compromised and so is it 10 guys is it eight guys is it key players you know why why did the Sens get relief and the Islanders didn't I'm sure the NHL has uh, something to do with that saying we obviously don't want to postpone any games because it's kind of creates a black guy one and two it's you know it, it puts Beijing in 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 doubt and so on and so forth so so you have that situation where it's a bunch of guys have COVID or, or are in the protocol. You open up poorly at, at best at home. You got to wonder, is, is there a point where they are realizing that they're digging themselves too far a hole this season to get back into it being as far as they are out of a playoff contention spot? Do they, do they sell? I, that's the fear with the New York Islanders, right? Is that we've given them, you know, more than enough in excuses in that they started on the road, you know, they've been beat up, they had COVID issues, but at what point does that turn into, Hey, you know, we've had, you know, we've had a lot of fucked up things happen and, you know, we've been behind the eight ball and we've had bad puck luck this year, but when does that transfer over to, this is not our season. And the hard part with with the New York Islanders is in the way that roster is constructed is that's not a roster that has much time left in terms of, you know, contending, right? Like that fourth line, you re-sign Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck's getting up there in age, Martin's getting up there in age, Zekas is back in the fold, and he's in the fold for a while at a low cap rate, but he is in the fold for like, you know, seven, eight years, six years, you know. So, like, the question becomes, you know, like the older these guys get, how much longer can you say, all right, this was a bad year. We're going to go at it next year. We're going to go at it next year, go at it next year. Whereas like a team like the New York Rangers, the San Jose Sharks, the Anaheim Ducks, right? They're kind of playing with house money right now, right? So like they're hot. And then if they fall out of it, their guys are young. It wasn't really their year anyway. And they can recoup from that. The Islanders, it's been their year for the past five or six years now. So the question, like you asked, do they sell um, a smart GM? And I'm not saying Lou isn't a smart GM. A smart GM hedges and, yes, sells a little bit. Sells a little bit off by way of, you know, what they got in that middle six. They have younger guys like uh, Oliver Wallstrom who can play and, you know, lucked out tremendously by losing Jordan Everlay to Seattle and then Wallstrom playing at the level he is. So it kind of fills that role. But Lou Lamorello, while he's smart, he's also shrewd and he's also old as well, just like the players on his roster. So he's going to want to win another cup within the next couple of years if he wins another one at all. So, you know, my question back to you is, do they sell? I say they should, but do we really think Lou Lamarillo is the guy that's going to sell, considering he doesn't have much time left either on the clock and the roster is not in a position to go through another rebuild as it's constructed right now? Yeah, no, you can't. You can't. You know, the, 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 it's, it's tough to say blow it up, right? You know, they could, get, they could win eight in a row and all of a sudden it's a different story. But part of me wonders if, Jordan Eberle was a guy that, you know, you call it glue guy, but he was a stud for this team, especially in the playoffs. And, like, is Jordan Eberle one of those locker room losses that has derailed a team, more or less? And obviously they're not selling because why sign Zidane Chara if you don't think you're going to win the Cup this year, right? That that It just 
it doesn't make sense from a roster building front. But I wonder if a guy like Jordan Everly is is really, really missed on the island. And we talked about the road trip, obviously, to start the season's hard, right? COVID situation is hard. Brock Nelson is out. That is hard. They have the excuses to say this is not our year and it is going that way. But I still like part of me gives them the benefit of the doubt. Now, it does at some point it's not going to matter. They're going to be 20 points out of a playoff spot and you're cooked, right? Even no matter how many excuses you have at the end of the day it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's and that's kind of the point that we're but I think we're both on, you know, both yeah. trying to make here is that, you know, the excuses are fine and well and they're legitimate. But the problem is is, you know, when you're sitting there post All-Star break, post Olympic break in January, February and you're 20 points out like you mentioned, Brett, you know, the excuses are valid, but they're also, these are the realities of our truth right now, right? So now we're sitting here and we're out of a playoff spot. We don't have a shot. So what do you do? I agree with you that Jordan Eberle's probably missed more in that. I would say he's probably missed more in that locker room than he's missed on the ice. I think Oliver Wallstrom has done a hell of a job yeah, trying the best fair. he can that's to um, duplicate his production and what Eberle's given in the lineup over the past couple of years is kind of that top line winger but really not a top line winger but playing top line minutes on a team because they lack that that role um Wallstrom I think plays it beautifully and he's younger so so it worked out for the Islanders in that sense but I would agree that he's probably missed more in the locker room than he is uh on the ice right now how's there you know I haven't been able to watch a lot of Islanders games this year what has their goaltending situation been like with Sorokin and Varlama Everybody came into the season with high hopes for Sorokin and Valorama. I mean, they were, you know, William M. Jennings contenders, if not winners, last season for uh, for combined goalie tandem. But they've been underwhelming this year. And I will say this, the Islanders' defense and their system that Barry Trotz has played has really shielded the goaltenders from, from heavy lifts over the past couple of seasons. Right now, that defensive system is not working due to the, some of those excuses that we mentioned. So a lot more shots are getting through. I think Sorokin's getting exposed a little bit more at the NHL level that he's really never had to face. And this is not, listen, I know I'm the friends are going to run me out of town with pitchforks and torches, but this is not to say Sorokin's not the guy he is. He's, he's a stud. He's going to be a superstar in the national league, but right now he's never really had that test of, of 30, 40 shots a game since he's joined the league. And now he's getting that test because of the issues on the Islanders defense. So, it's a learning curve for him. You could say that, listen, he was a rookie a year and a half ago, but he's a rookie again now in terms of the volume of shots he's getting. So the tandem is there. They're not bad. They're just uh, they're just facing a higher volume of shots. And unfortunately, you know, look at Lundqvist all those years with the New York Rangers defensive system. I'll compare him to their crosstown rivals. I mean, Lundqvist under Tortorella, a lot of shots are blocked. Lundqvist was shielded from a lot of uh, – High scoring chances in that in that Royal Road, as Steve Valaket calls it on the MSG broadcasts. But then when Tortorella left and Elaine Vigneault went to more of an east west style where they didn't block as many shots, a lot more got through to Lundquist and his play started to decline over the years, naturally, yes, because of age, but also because of the volume of shots he was getting. So I think that's the case of what's happening with Sorokin and Barlamov on the island right now. I don't think that their performance is a testament to them and their skill level and their potential dropping i think it's more of a testament to the Islanders' defense playing weak and they're just seeing more shots if if they need help in front of said goaltenders when does lou make that call he should make it now i i think the phone call has to be made yesterday yeah. we know 
Lou moves in silence like a G in lasagna. There he but is. he's still – you kind of get some feelers out there every once in a while on what Lou's up to. From what I understand, Lou is actively looking. Originally at the beginning of the season, there were reports, including some of my own, that Lou was going to push off the defensive issue to the deadline. We're past that point now. I think the uh, the desperation has set in for the New York Islanders season. So Lou is making phone calls around the National Hockey League. I still wouldn't give up on Sam Girard. I know he doesn't you know, provide a lot in terms of defensive zone skill. But like we've mentioned, and you know, I'll quote myself a couple weeks ago on the pod, great defense is a really solid offense. And if you get a puck-moving defenseman like Samuel Girard, who can carry the puck out of the zone and you feel confident when he possesses the puck on his stick, I think he does a lot for that lineup, although he doesn't necessarily fit into the cookie-cutter mold of the Trots defensive system. I think he does a lot there. Outside of Girard, the question goes, where do you look around the National League for a defenseman with term, right? We know Lou Lamorello is not big into acquiring rentals. He likes guys under contract. There isn't many available options by way of guys under contract right now, and I think that's the that is the brick wall that Lou Lamorello is continuing to run into over the past couple of days is he wants to acquire a defenseman under contract. Well, there's not many of them out there. This offseason, you could say a guy like Matthew Dumble was, but he's not anymore. And he would have been a solid pickup for the New York Islanders. But that's not there anymore. So where does Lou Lamorello turn to? Does he start to consider consider that rental defenseman market? I know Anaheim's got a couple of guys. I know Buffalo has a guy or two on the blue line. You know, maybe you get Vegas to listen on an Alec Martinez who's under contract, but Alec Martinez is playing well. Well, so, you know who I was going to say is, is Shea Thiedel. It's, it's a big trade. Right. It's it's it a great be, name. It's yeah. a blockbuster. And I, and that's where I, I, you know, push my chair back from the desk and say, I can't tell you because we don't – usually when we get an inkling of what Lou Lamorello is doing, it's because things are heading that way. We kind of see the path laid out. When it comes to blockbusters with Lou Lamorello, those usually – those are the ones that usually come out of, out of, the, out of the weeds from the swamp. So – I couldn't tell you if that's the option that Lula Morello would go to. It makes sense. I know that's our like favorite word on the Cold Stove Pod. Makes sense. It does. Shade Theodore is a top two defenseman on the New York Islanders. He's a top two defenseman on most teams around the National Hockey League. Vegas needs to clear some cap space at some point. And they have young defensemen. They held on to Nick Hague. And I think and that the was Islanders huge. are six million bucks lighter with uh, newest Buffalo Sabre, Johnny Boychuk. The Islanders are in a great spot. The Islanders have the cap space to take it on fully. The Vegas has the ability now because they were lucky enough to hold on to Nick Hague in that in that Jack Eichel trade. So there is a path for Vegas to continue on on defense, and there's a guy out there for the New York Islanders. My now my question to everybody goes: Where what does that trade look like? Because I couldn't even sit here and tell you right now, knowing Lou Lamorello, it's going to be a monster trade because we know Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee don't like getting ripped off in Vegas. So and I won't even try to guess at this point because I wanted to talk about. Uh, the other dumpster fire the last couple of weeks that the Islanders have taken some heat off of in the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, they just lost one nothing to Chicago in a relatively uninspired effort. Where do you see uh, the Canucks going from here? Well, there was a closed-door meeting between Francisco Aquilini and, and Jim Benning, and there was a memorandum of understanding laid out that Benning would retain his job for now, but the performance has to improve on ice. And since that meeting, the performance has not improved on ice. Where do the heads start to roll? Who gets chopped first? You'd think the players, because Jim Benning is not the type of guy that wants to admit fault. He's going to start shipping guys off of his roster. 
and it might come by way of JT Miller and Brock Besser, two guys who are available, who are under contract, who are very solid players. And that might be the chopping block. I mean, moving Brock Besser, he's the captain of the franchise. That's a gigantic, is he the guy? Did I speak out of turn there? Is he not the oh, captain? I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you the I couldn't tell you the Rangers captains, all, all nine of them. I couldn't tell you the this is why we need, captains off the top of my head. This is why we need a Cold Stove intern. Yeah, Cold where's Cold Stove intern on this? Cold Stove Intern's on this. We need him there. Um But yeah, no Brock Bester's a hell of a talent. And it, it Bo uh Horvath's the captain, my apologies. So so I'll take that one back. But get that them mixed sense. up. Two B names. But uh but Brock Bester's a great player and if you make that move, you're trading some of your top talent out now. So does that not make the team worse in the lineup today? So are you giving up on this season, Jim Benning? Is that admitting defeat, although you're a guy that doesn't like to do that? If that's not the path that Jim Benning wants to take, then I just think Francisco Aquilina comes over the top and says, you're out of here. You know, you're, you're right. Like at, at some point, the Benning name has been so hot for so long. And that that water just boils and boils and boils in Vancouver. At some point, you have to make the move. And Travis Green and Jim Benning are attached to the hip because that's a Benning hire. That's a Benning guy. You need change there. And does it come in JT Miller? His name's been on the block. His agent, uh, what's his name, Brian Bartlett, he said, let's, let's tamp down that trade talk. We haven't heard of anything or been involved in anything. That doesn't mean Benning hasn't. Another name that I like to be moved out of there, despite him playing really, really well, is Connor Garland. Another name who who needed to get out of Arizona. He did. He's playing well with more talented players. Has a contract that's got some life on it. Connor Garland could be a help for a hell of a lot of teams in this league. The Rangers being one of them. I won't speculate on that, but... You took the words would, out of my mouth really quick. I'll yeah. just say, if you didn't say the New York Rangers, I was going to say the New York Rangers. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point, but he he's that middle six forward that many teams around the National Hockey League will look for. The last dumpster fire, actually, there's there's kind of two more. But the last dumpster fire I wanted to touch on quickly is the USHL's Omaha Lancers. Chris Peters of Daily Faceoff has been all over this one. He basically laying out, ready for these sort of, not even accusations, sort of these Facts NRD. Lay it on me. Number one, uh, the team went on a road trip uh, after their game in Pennsylvania. They drove 14 hours through the night with the same bus driver and no hotel stop back to Omaha, which is illegal. Number two, stick budget was cut in half by the ownership, which is a violation of tier one standards. The goaltenders were down to one stick a piece, and they could not use each other's as a backup because one's left-handed, one's right-handed. The coaches were using a subscription video system designed for hockey uh, on a monthly subscription, you know, fee basis. That is not uh, a part of their, their training anymore because they refuse to pay for it. The, one of the parents, one of the billet parents is, (laughs) was asked to serve as the team's equipment manager at the start of the season. Insane. After the uh, after Coach Cassidy was forced out of there, one of the owners, DeLuca, asked an injured defenseman to be a team's assistant coach. That's crazy. And then the new uh, the interim coach, Sean Walsh, who actually uh, I know from previous endeavors here, uh, said when when I get 
you know, when I'm the head coach now, I, I should get a raise. The owner said, absolutely not. So it's just one thing after another here pointing to a total breakdown of this team. And it's sad because it's tier one USHL. Like, I don't know. Give me your, your just quick initial thoughts on this story and, and what's going on in Omaha. I think quick thoughts is that this is ridiculous and it's a shame. And this is what, this is the side effect of what the development system for United States hockey talent has been over the years. This is it coming to a culmination. USHL is, USHL is a disaster. It's not set up like the Canadians do. We've talked about this, I think, at the, after and in the, in the post show that nobody gets to really hear on the Cold Stove Pod post show last week. It's it's a topic for a Dateline, a Cold Stove Pod investigative investigative episode where we go in a little bit more depth about the disaster that is the development program in the United States for hockey players. But it's a shame, and I think what I think the most egregious thing on that list is the bus driver driving 14 hours back to Omaha with no hotel or no stop or anything like that, especially knowing some of the tragedies we've faced in the past, you know, decade in hockey for, for very similar reasons. I think that's the most shameful thing. I, I that's ignorance. The stick thing is putting, it's putting health at, at risk, right? It, it's, it's one it's thing. putting health of everybody. Market. Yeah. You're listen, the Crazy. stick thing, you're a cheap bastard. I mean, good thing is goaltenders are the only players on the ice who are allowed to play with a broken stick. So I guess that's the logic <laughs> there, but no, you're, you're just an asshole for not, for not paying for more sticks. Or, or a subscription video program, you're, you're, you know, ruining the development of these players. You can have a poor product on the ice, but, but the, the bus thing is the most egregious and it disgusts me. I mean, in the past three or four weeks, we just had story after story after story exposing, you know, the bullshit in hockey at all levels. And this, this, um, this might take the cake. It's up there for sure. I don't think any, I'm not going to compare stories, but this is definitely up there with the top tier of, uh, a bullshit that we've heard over the past couple of weeks and months, um, especially knowing what's happened over the past decade. Yeah, it's it's disgusting, and you're right. We have a, I have a longer rant tabled on the United States junior hockey system and how it's just. We will do it at some point. Maybe it's a like you said, cold stove investigative report because it, it we should be a powerhouse in junior hockey, and it, and it's it's a it's a joke what happens down here between all the, the different leagues, there's nine different, there's one tier one, one tier two, three tier three, US DPHL six, five, four. Like it's such a shame that we don't have a four league or four conference, one, one league at the top. All our talent is fed up through youth systems into another minor system that is a subsidiary of the big club, which ideally is a subsidiary of the NHL, right? Like, USA Hockey should just have that be the goal to simplify things like the Canadians do because that system works. It works for everybody. If, you, uh, if you've seen that. Listen, yeah, so we I'll, got... I'll put out, like I said, I'm going to put out a graphic. I'll do it this week on uh, on the Cold Stove Instagram and Cold Stove Twitter laying out what a, a four-conference United States Junior League might look like. That'll create some discussion for sure. I think we'll hold you to that. I will say this. We got uh... – a couple of freezes coming up in the NHL schedule of the next couple of months, so maybe maybe a late Christmas gift that could be uh, that could be our investigative discovery episode of the Cold Stove Pod. I like it. I like it. Something I want to investigate this weekend. NRD is our friends over at DraftKings. This Thanksgiving, be thankful for family, food, and free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a Turkey Day no-brainer that you cannot miss. 
new customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. One point. When the last time a team didn't score a point? Either team didn't score a point in the game? It was like 1942. World War. They just yeah, didn't have guys on the field. <laughs> right. If the uh, sports book is not yet available in your state, you can still get in on the Thanksgiving NFL action. Make your first deposit, and you can play free for millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable uh, source of betting. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. I've learned anything about uh, legal online sports betting in the last, I don't know, five years of my life. Being able to deposit and withdraw cash whenever you want is a very important feature because uh, not everybody does it. Not also, the way to run a business. Also not being able, not getting screwed out of your money when you win a That's, bet and somebody decides you didn't win that bet. That is correct. DraftKings never lets that happen. Here's what you do, NRD. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code WASHED, W-A-S-H-E-D. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a single point. That's promo code WASHED this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older in these following states, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. This deal is for new customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, let's get back to the hockey. little stock down, stock up. Ready for this? Islanders, Red Wings, Sabres, stock down. Flames, Avalanche, Penguins, stock up. Any of those teams give you a reaction uh, might, that maybe we haven't talked about yet? Calgary is the best team in the National Hockey League. They look phenomenal right now. How do you go on a road trip like they did and just blank people in that fashion? It was awesome to see that team coming together. They have won by shutout. They have shut out teams in roughly, I was doing some quick maths this morning, roughly 35% of their games this season have, have ended in a, in a flame shutout of, of them shutting out another team. They're by, uh, far, they're, they're by far the most defensively sound hockey team in the National Hockey League. And what's really interesting about Calgary is that they're shutting out teams, but they're not winning one nothing. They're also fourth in goals four right now. It's crazy. Andrew Mangiapane looks like Sidney Crosby. He's playing heads up hockey. He's smart. He just gets like he's creating a lot of his goals. It's not just cleaning up trash. He is creating these these plays. Johnny Goudreau looks like a guy that wants ten million dollars next year. It might not be from the Flames, but he certainly wants it. What a what a fun hockey team to watch. And with Markstrom and Vladar backing, you know everything that's going on. They they look like. Um, the 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 tandem that maybe the Islanders thought they had. They look like the best team in the National Hockey League. As we go through this really quick, I will say this. Mangiapane is looking like the real bread man. There's another bread man who's underperforming. Mangiapane, the real bread man right now. Uh, wow. So keep it up. Kudos to kudos to Andrew. You did you mention tweet, the John, you have you to did, tweet that. I will tweet that. You did mention that Johnny Gaudreau is looking like a guy who wants $10 million next year. Quick thought that just popped in my head. Maybe not such a bad idea to feel the roster of all guys who are looking for a contract next year. Just have all your contracts expire in the same year. Everybody's playing for that free agent money. Um, that might be a strategy. I might have just invented a new thing. So, well, the Buffalo Sabers are following that to a T. So, not really working out for them. 
<laughs> sure, as I mentioned, their stock is certainly down. Um, another team that's playing well is the Avalanche, finally healthy. They're kind of like they got a similar start to the Islanders with COVID, with McKinnon was out, you know, and we were we were concerned. We said, is Jared Bednar the guy to lead this team? Well, then they go and rip off a couple straight, and all of a sudden, hey, they, they look okay. Do you see the Avalanche continuing the streak, or is it flash in a pan? They're going to continue the streak. They're looking a lot better now. They're going to get Nathan McKinnon back into the lineup soon and healthy. I believe that Joe Sackick, um, avid listener of the Cold Stove Pot, heard what we were discussing last week and then ripped off an extension for Jared Bednar out of spite to uh, to you and I. Of course. I'm going to stand by that take. You know, I'm, I've already had questions about it. The abs did not look good. Now they look good, and that's what happens in National Hockey League. Sometimes it's all it takes to get a rise out of out of a coach. I will say this. You never let a coach go into a season as a lame duck. Usually it's always you fire him, you know, with, with term left. It's not usually something that happens. Very rarely the last guy that did it was Barry Trotz, and look what happened. He won a Stanley Cup and walked. So I don't think that it's like Jared Bednar is obviously the guy that gave him a two-year extension. That's more of so of uh, of housekeeping around the National Hockey League in all sports. That's what gets done for, for head coaches. Usually don't let a co- guy coach out with no contract ahead of him. But uh, they look great right now, so I will stand corrected on the Avalanche. I won't. I don't. I I watched two of their full games, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I like they just they look slower, and that obviously McKinnon's you know in and out of the lineup right now. But something about them, they like they look very very Islanders to me. They don't look like they're playing their own hockey. You know who might be the best player in the National Hockey League right now, though? Who's Nazem Kadri. Oh, dude, dude has like how many? Nineteen points in like nine games or something like that. Nineteen points in his last nine. Um, had four points last night uh, against who did they play last night? Forgot who they played last night, but yeah, had, not, had nineteen. Uh, had nine, uh, four points last night in that game. Nineteen in his last nine. He's absolutely on fire. The problem is that guy just never gets to play in the playoffs because he's always suspended. So if he could play his game. And, and and stay out That's of trouble. Fire. He's going to be in good shape, and you know, he had a lot of interest around the National Hockey League these past couple of years at the trade deadline. And Colorado was always passed on moving him, and I see why. He's very talented, extremely underrated player when he's when he's in the lineup and, and not sending his game checks to the players emergency assistant fund. <laughs> they, uh, that's that's like a Kemper situation too, where if Kemper's on, maybe they're on. If Kemper's off. He kind of never was really like a 1A to begin with. So we'll see how that situation goes, you know, kind of moving forward here. Yep. Um, what do you say we get into NRD's corner? A couple of rumors here floating around. Let's go for it. Love it. The Rangers, we mentioned, have a couple situations. One being that top six, middle six forward that they're looking for. Two being a backup goalie. Mr. Georgiev is not thrilled with his situation. Granted, he's not necessarily playing well enough to get a trade out. Anything on the Rangers' backup goalie situation uh, in wake of their, I don't know, top five goaltender in the league, Igor Shesterkin, taking over completely? That was the hope for the Rangers. Uh, you know, they're not going to act like they didn't plan on Shesterkin being the the clear number one to Georgiev's number two. But Georgiev's playing like shit. He's a disaster right now. He was a disaster the other night. And, you know, the Rangers eked out that one against Buffalo. Georgiev starts and gets pulled in the third period, and they come back and they win with, you know, four-tenths of a second left. Sorry for that one, Brett. But what a joke. 
listen, the the next night Buffalo scores a goal with three tenths of a second left. So they learned something. That's and what still you want to do. You want to learn from your. You want to watch the film and learn a thing or two when you get beat. Sabres did just that. No, Georgiev's really bad. I think that we'll see Keith Kincaid on Broadway sooner than later again. Um, just to give Georgiev a mental reset, sit in, sit in the press box for a couple of games. I or think go they, down to Hartford and, and win, you know, three or four in a row and get like, okay, I can still stop Potch type of guy. The the issue there is that, you know, you just tank his value. You're waving the white flag in Georgiev. So if you plan on moving him, sending him a, sending a guy like that for any conditioning stint in the minors is just, you know, doesn't look good for teams that are trying to acquire him. They're going to start to question what the hell's wrong with this guy. You can kind of get away with it when he's just performing badly and say, ah, oh, he's on a bad slump right now. But he hasn't been good, so I think that hurts his value nonetheless. Keith Kincaid's going to be on Broadway sooner than later, taking some starts away from Georgiev, not away from Igor Shosturkin. He's the clear number one there. As for the middle six forward, we mentioned Connor Garland. That's purely speculative. I think the big ticket items, the Phil Castles, the Vladimir Tarasenko's, are not going to happen now if the Rangers pursue, to pursue that path. If they go down that uh, that charted course, that's something for, for late March at the deadline. Connor Garland comes to mind. Jake DeBrusque, who the Rangers and Bruins have had some history of making deals, comes to mind as well as a middle six forward. Obviously fell out of flavor a little bit in uh, in in Boston. Fell out Rangers, of flavor, I'll put it on a t-shirt. Fell out of flavor in Boston, Jake DeBrusque. They missed the boat <laughs> on Jesse Pugliarvi a couple of years ago when they failed to uh, pull off the Leas Anderson for Pugliarvi deal. So that was a perfect middle six forward, and the Rangers wouldn't even have this question right now. But now they do. So I look at Garland, I look at DeBrusque. I look at I look at Hurdle as the big ticket item that the Rangers will be in on. I think they could use that center depth. Mika Zibanejad has been severely underperforming right now um, in terms of goals. He, he's he's been he's been in on points. He's getting a lot of secondary assists, but he's not scoring at the uh, at the pace that he was this past uh, past couple of seasons. Certainly not up to the extension that he signed. So that's going to be a question. They haven't resumed any contract talks with Ryan Strom. It doesn't appear that the Rangers will at any point. He looks like a guy that could be flipped out the other way in any um, I'll give you our center and something for an upgrade at center type of deal. So Ryan Strom, I think, is the Rangers trade chip there. There's questions in that Rangers lineup, and this is why last week I said, listen, they're on fire right now. They're playing phenomenally, but they're the only team in the top half of the National Hockey League, to my understanding, that has a flat zero goal differential. So there are some scary signs there. Yeah, when that's the case, you don't uh – it's like, is this for real? And because sometimes it's it's five nothing drubs of, of so and so that gets that gold differential to a, a satisfactory standpoint. I don't know. That's I, don't know. The, I think that's the issue with the New York Rangers. You look at the top teams, the, the Floridas, the Carolinas, they're like plus 24, 25, 26 on the gold differential. The Rangers are sitting seventh in the National Hockey League at a flat zero gold differential. Those are the scary signs that I alluded to last week being concerning for the for the organization and for people wondering what the Rangers do with the deadline. Going over to uh, another American general manager, our buddy Billy Guerin in Minnesota has something to uh, has some explaining to do with Kevin Fiala, former first rounder from like 2014, I want to say. Kevin Fiala is not very happy in Minneapolis. That is a player who is a talented, talented forward that comes with some baggage. Anything on Kevin Fiala's current situation, whether he's upset or discouraged with their situation? This is nothing original. 
from the desk of NRD, but NRD can add a little bit of uh, of his thoughts and some info behind it. We know from Jeff Merrick on the Jeff Merrick show this past week that Kevin Fiala tends to rub people the wrong way with his cockiness, his arrogance about the way he handles himself. Correct. There's a team around the National Hockey League that has players available that can use a little swift kick in the ass right now in Vancouver. I know Michael Russo, fantastic, fantastic reporter with The Athletic and covers the Minnesota Wild, has alluded to a potential fit being there. I can tell you that it is something that has been explored since, since that article came out. I checked. I confirmed that. That is a path for, for Kevin Fiala to get out of Minnesota. I can't tell you how happy he'd be in Vancouver, but if he brings his, his, his personality to that locker room, maybe it sparks a fire under some of those young guys' asses in Vancouver. So it makes sense for them. And, you know, Vancouver changes things up by sending out a JT Miller or a Brock Besser type of player that it's hard to replace those guys. But, you know, if you have to, Kevin Fiala is a pretty damn good shot at, at doing so. I would like uh, somebody to go tell Elias Patterson to his face that I am better than you. Kick him in the ass a little bit because he has been missing at best this year. Listen, so, so the other day, somebody takes. Somebody, so, Somebody saw Patterson's stats in my office and goes, does he have COVID? And I was like, he might as well, because that dude just cannot cannot find it this year. And that happens to guys, Mitch Marner. And then all of a sudden, Mitch Marner is the Mitch Marner that we all know and know well as of late. Um, I wanted to talk about a team that I don't know if we've mentioned their name one time on this podcast and however many episodes this is, seven, eight. The Philadelphia Flyers, NRD, are currently down two of their top guys in Mr. Ellis and Mr. Hayes, which rooting for rooting for him because has a lot going on at home, death of his brother, obviously. So rooting for him from a on-ice, off-ice standpoint, he's now hurt. Are the Flyers content to just kind of be the Flyers, or are they at a position where the Joel Farabees and Claude Giroux of the world can put them in a playoff hunt, which begets trading for somebody. Chuck Fletcher has not given up on his Vladimir Tarasenko dream. I have a lot of friends in Philly. I'll I'll say that. He was very close on Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, going to the expansion draft and then in the entry draft. He has not given up on that pursuit. I will leave it at that. I believe that there's some cap shenanigans that have to get involved here, which we know problem with the St. Louis Blues is Doug Armstrong isn't always amicable to doing that. But the Flyers are still interested in Vladimir Tarasenko. I think that he helps that lineup tremendously. They are getting a very solid, I will not say fantastic, but solid performance out of Katahat this year. Shout-outs to Rear, Ad- Rear Admiral. But they've been solid. Carter Hart's been playing all right. They've been winning some games that you know they shouldn't have won and losing some games that they probably shouldn't have lost. So they're they're in the position where if they think that this is their year, they can go for it. And I know Vladimir Tarasenko is a guy that Chuck Fletcher loves. So that's where I think Philadelphia is at right now. Get Kevin Hayes healthy again. Should be week to week. I th- from the last time I checked into it, they said two to three weeks on Hazy to get back into the lineup. Some questions on the defense. Sam Morin hasn't skated in like three years what it feels like for Philadelphia fans. So there, there's some, you know, blank spots on the blue line right now, but the performance hasn't been terrible. 
and I think Keith Yandel's overachieving this season, which which always helps. Yeah, as is our boy Rasmus Ristolainen. Um, they have an interesting offseason coming up. Claude Giroux is a free agent. He's 33. All of a sudden, you're you're like, what are they after this year? Are they going to blow it up? Are they trusting in the Cam Atkinsons of the world to make things happen? Just an interesting team to watch in Philly and, and one that I'm looking forward to paying more attention to, if that makes sense. Going into the trade freeze uh, of the of the Christmas break and then into the deadline season, absolutely. I wouldn't say they're a contender right now. I'd say they're a pretender, but that's not such a bad thing. Every once in a while when somebody tries to pretend to be somebody, they pull it off identity theft. So not, nothing wrong with being a pretender right now. If you're feeling. Uh, last name on the on the rumor mill that I wanted to get to, we mentioned it briefly, was Thomas Hurdle. Anything on the Hurdle front that uh, can you can update? Not right now. In terms of updating, we could talk about teams that the fit is there with. It's there with Washington. It's there with the New York Rangers. I, I think it can be there with with Tampa if there are some. I know everybody's going to rip me apart because you know eighteen million dollars over the cap, but they are exercising the long term injury reserve right now. Braden Point is out week to week. I could see them getting involved in that hunt, as well as Colorado, who made some phone calls on Jack Eichel. Um, and if Colorado wants to buy again this year as they start to come out of this slump, Hurdle makes a lot of sense there. And they have Colorado. I will say this really quick about Colorado. They are more stacked in the youth department than people think they are for a team that's always been you know, in the hunt every year. They have a lot of depth in their prospect pool that I could see the Sharks enjoying as the Sharks start to rebuild. So he makes a lot of sense there. Colorado was looking for a center in the Eichel sweepstakes. The retained salary killed that, as we know. So we can start to talk about speculative fits for Tom, Tomas Hurdle, but that's a trade that doesn't happen till you know, the last minute in March, if it does, or the week before, because usually the bigger names get moved the week before the deadline. Let's get a little uh, where are we at in the NHL as we speak. Couple, uh, just a couple recent things bopping around. How about the New Jersey Devils? new third jersey which we found out today was designed primarily by martin brodeur any comment on the all blacks not the biggest fan of martin brodeur many on my twitter feed know that i, I will go down with the ship saying patrick ross is the greatest goaltender of all time it is not martin brodeur and i that's another cold stove pot investigative episode for for the time when that when that comes to go into detail on that so doesn't surprise me they designed a completely shit jersey um <laughs> I think he was a little confused over what it was, so they thought it was the best idea to put a label on it. I, I would like to see more equipment labeled. Um, remove the Bauer sticker and start putting helmet on helmets. You know, skates on skates. Hats on hats. I know the Devils tweeted out a little self-deprecating uh, humor with the hat, labeled hat in the, in yes. the script font. I'm glad that they're aware that that jersey is ugly as hell. Um, and uh, it's embarrassing. It's quite embarrassing for a goalie who claims to be the greatest of all time, one of the great hockey hockey players and minds now as he works in the front office in New Jersey and has learned from the best in Lou Lamorello. I don't think Lou Lamorello would ever put out crap like that. Tell me how you really feel, Anardi. Goodness. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I don't think you design a jersey that looks like a uh, uh, turned referee's sweater. Like, just, you know, I, I, get more creative. The best, the best jerseys in hockey, in the hockey world, come from college. It's the Boston University, Notre Dame, uh, Michigan State. Some of the the classic, like, I want to say, you know, like 80s, 70s kind of vintage looks are so in style right now 
and the college teams do it the best. I would like to see the NHL maybe do a vintage series instead of like the, you know, the fucking Oregon Dutch style where they just put neon and slashes all over jerseys and, and call them like cool. What was it? The re- reverse retro jerseys. I like the reverse them, retro. I also think you half, know of them really- sucked, half of them were fine. You know, it'd be really cool. Go pick a year. Each year we'll change this up, but pick a year post post original six expansion. So into into when we started to get to 26, 27 teams in the National Hockey League. It's like the late, early 70s, 1972, 73. Pick that year, and then there's a week where all the teams wear those jerseys for that year. The teams that didn't exist then that were you know relocated teams have to wear that jersey of the location that they relocated from. And we have a little we have a little fun flashback in time week around the National Hockey League. Those jerseys would sell like hotcakes. People love nostalgia. Last note on the Devils jersey, just because I love beating up on Mark Tambrodor. I'm surprised he didn't put a Taylor Ham uh, an egg sandwich on that jersey because Fatso forgot to shake my hand. So, uh, great job, Mark. Great job, Mark. Um, any word on the the United States jerseys this year? Have we seen any any leaks of that? Uh, within the next week, from my understanding, Ooh. Hockey Canada is coming Ooh. this week. Okay, okay. I like the uh, I like to hear that. Um, let's do a little uh, prospect watch, shall we? Mason McTavish sent back to the O, leaving Cole Sillinger as the only drafted player from this past draft, 2021, in the lead still. Like it or don't like it, NRD? I like it for both parties, Anaheim. They're really solid right now. I don't think Mason McTavish is going to make or break if they get hot and go on a Stanley Cup run, right? Like, you know, this this magical season, this – Disney-esque season that the Ducks are projected to be on right now. Wow. Wow. I like that one, Brett. I'm on a roll today. Good Thanksgiving week. You Let's have some absolutely. fun. Absolutely. Speaking I've of been, Taylor Ham, that's NRD today. I have been fasting for three days now in uh, in excitement <laughs> for Thursday, so uh, we're running on fumes. But no, they're having a great season. I don't think Mason McTavish makes or breaks you know, that, that course, so send them back. Don't burn a year on the ELC. There's going to be plenty of years ahead for the Anaheim Ducks. I think that they are fast-tracked, fast-passed, if you will, to the front of the line to contend uh, for a Stanley Cup in the National Hockey League over the next three or four seasons. While I hate your uh, your pun and your your analogies and allegories, I do agree with you on that on that aspect. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of not rushing guys. You know, there's there's very few guys that are ready to play in the NHL at 18. That's just there. That is Owen power probably was ready, but I totally agree with the decision to send him back to Michigan and beat up on, you know, Michigan state and Michigan tech and Minnesota St. Cloud for, for a year with that ridiculously stacked lineup. They had, um, it's good for Michigan. It's good for Michigan too, because listen, they got to take their wins over Michigan state where they can get it. They just certainly don't get it on the gridiron. So, uh, if they can get it on the ice, that's, that's good for them. There, there's a, you know, there's I, the, there's thinking that getting guys in, you know, in the NHL or or even the AHL helps them because they learn how to play pro and and this and that. For for the American and Canadian players, maybe that makes sense to to play them in the AHL. But for like Swedish guys or Finnish guys who have been playing with men since they were 16, in some cases, those are guys I feel more comfortable with getting in the lineup right away. That's the disappointment. That's yeah, the disappointment with Capo Caco. Yeah, just right, really quick, exactly. you know, it came to mind. We all thought that Capo Caco was going to be NHL ready, and Jack Hughes wasn't because Capo Caco was playing against men and, and, you know, looked quite the opposite. So 
yeah, it's a good the, the, the Finnish and the Swedish and the Russians come over here. We have a lot of high hopes because of the talent that they're playing against. Once again, this kind of goes back to the development situation. But, you know, I'll let you finish your point on Mason Mitavich. It, it was the right move. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I, I don't really have much more than other than I'm excited to see him tear apart the Ontario Hockey League, as as a couple of guys are doing this year. One guy who's not going to juniors, however, is Seth Jarvis in Carolina. He played his 10th game the other night, rendering his ELC um, begun, I guess. So what do you what, what do you like about Seth Jarvis and what he's doing in Carolina? I like that Seth Jarvis is is a young player, but he's able to contribute in that lineup on a team that's been very good. He's able to contribute at a level that he just kind of fits right in that team, right? It's almost like a deadline pickup. The production that Seth Jarvis is giving the Carolina Hurricanes right now is the type of production you'd expect out of like a Tomas Hurdle trade at the deadline. So yeah. I think what really works out for them is that they're not they're not losing anything out of their lineup. They're not losing anything out of the prospect pool. They're not losing any money on the salary cap. They're losing out on a year of this guy's ELC, but Carolina's a great team, so they have a shot at winning the Cup anyway this year. So you might as well go for it. He's like your deadline pickup for, for Carolina. Give me a Carolina versus Florida series again. I love just let those two teams go beat each other up. and I, I, I love both of what they're doing. Um, before we get out of here, let's play a game called Who Gets Extended First? Ready for this game. Andrew Mangiupane, Denny Malkin, Chris Letang, or Jack Campbell, who signs the dotted line first? Jack Campbell. Ooh. I'm going to say Jack Campbell, okay. and I'll, I'll tell you why. The Toronto Maple Leafs have not had many solid goaltenders over the past you know, five or six years or so. So uh, when you oh, have like a good 11. one. 11. Yeah, I'll go further. Two decades. Felix Poppen was the last solid goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs. When you have a solid goaltender in the in in the fold and it's the most important position, you know, in the NHL, you don't let that guy walk or even risk having him walk. They wrap him up under contract. They played around with goalies too many times over the past decade or so, and that has screwed them in a lot of playoff series. That you get that guy and you sign him and you make sure he's he's taken care of there in Toronto for the next three or four seasons. So let me ask you this though. Do you sign him tomorrow? based on what he's doing and, and that he's young and or do you let the season play out and say maybe he regresses a tad so his price drops with the obvious risk that it could continue and his price uh, go go up you taking the fixed rate or the variable rate mortgage NRD? i would take the fixed rate because how how much higher think? is it really going to go up on jack campbell right like he hasn't put up enough sample size that you know that anybody would agree with the fact that he deserves to be paid at the level of a Shesterkin or, a, you know, or Sorokin. But, or... He but is right he wins now. 40 games and wins a cup, and all of a sudden, oh, shit, now we owe our goalie $9 million. Listen, if, if Jack, I will say this on the record, if Jack Campbell wins the Stanley Cup in Toronto, they will build a statue outside of Scotiabank <laughs> Place. They will pay him all the money in the world. They will anoint him mayor of the city, so... I don't think Toronto's too worried about Jack Campbell playing himself into a Stanley Cup and then having to pay him. And they will have five guys making up 70% of their roster. They will have a Stanley Cup, though, and that's all that matters in Toronto. They haven't had one of those in a very long time. I'm going to go, I'm going to bet on Mangiapane. I like that bet, too. That would be my hedge. Because with with the Malkins and the Latangs and the ownership situation, I don't think they're going to be allowed to extend. 
until the new owners take over and, and that whole situation is figured out. Um, speaking of contracts, looks like there's a bad one in Dallas with Jamie Benn. Just, just getting old is kind of how I surmise that. Anything on the Dallas Stars before we get out of here? I expect bonus to be the first coach fired if there's a coach fired in season. They've just been underperforming. We know about the players only meeting the past couple of weeks. What he did to Riley Tuft was an absolute shitbag move. Yeah, what in the world? I, I, I'm a, a bonus fan, and Riley Tuft's making his debut in his hometown, and bonus sits him. After he buys the tickets, and I believe it was Jason Robertson yeah. who donated some of his some of his tickets to the Tuft family to, to join in on the celebration of this kid playing his first game in the National Hockey League. We're going to debut a new segment this week. Uh, next week, I should say. Little teaser. With this segment, we would have been naming one or two people around the league. Bonus would have been the guy that fit perfectly into the segment for this past week. So Ooh, uh, I'll go with the the Lancers owner Deluca. All right, that's all right. So let's just reveal it. Look forward to next week. We're gonna have a new segment called Five in Game. Basically, the asshole of the week. Brett and I are gonna go around the league picking on uh, one or two guys who fell short of being a decent human being in, in the National Hockey League or or hockey culture in general. So uh, this week, mine would have went to Rick Bonus for what he did to Riley Tuft. Anything? Uh, you see, Connor McDavid's did a little architectural digest tour this morning. I did not. Showed off his house in beautiful Edmonton, Alberta. I mean, his house is weird. His house is a strange house. It's a very modern look. I'll put it that way. Modern. It's very. Um, it almost looks like somewhere Kanye would live. Yeah, not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. A little, little too modern for me. Give um, me a fireplace. Somewhere. There you go. Uh, NRD, that'll do it for us today on the Cold Stove Podcast. Anything else you want to hit before we go eat some turkey? Just happy Thanksgiving to uh, to all of our listeners in the U.S. Happy belated to all of our listeners in Canada. Um, and, you know, I will say this. Over, you know, personal things I'm thankful for, more first and foremost, with that being, you know, outstanding, I'm – I'm thankful for you all, the listeners and, you know, the followers on Twitter. I appreciate all the support over the past couple of weeks. This has been an absolute blast, and we're going to keep it going. This train ain't stopping now. So uh, enjoy your turkey, enjoy your stuffing, enjoy your sides, and, you know, join us next week on the Cold Stove Podcast. Yes, sir. Totally echo that. The The listeners have been phenomenal. The, the people reaching out left and right saying this, this is a very, very solid show, and it's a lot of fun doing it, and we don't do it without the listeners. Uh, real quick, NRD favorite uh, Thanksgiving side. Sweet potato pie. Ooh. Going southern with it. Okay. Throwing a wrench into where people are trying to trying to locate the 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 bat killer, the rumor cave. I like that. I am a mac and cheese guy myself. My dad makes this mac and cheese unbelievable. I get down with that. Uh we are the Cold Stove Podcast. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman. NRD is at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. Give us a, a rating, maybe a review. Tell a friend about the podcast to enjoy some hockey. Hit subscribe on iTunes and follow on Spotify. And follow us on Twitter at Cold Stove Pod and shoot us questions or topics that we need to cover. NRD, our listeners, happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you guys next week. See you.